Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My guest today is Nathan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me again. Today's topic, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It is the second installment in the Indiana Jones film series and a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. The film features Harrison Ford, who reprises his role as the title character, Kate Capshaw, Amrish Puri, Raushun Seth, Philip Stone, and Kei Wan in his film debut, star in supporting roles. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Before we get into it, have you seen Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? No, but I will be doing so very soon. Good man. I was just wondering. I mean, I'm not going to say anything to spoil that movie during this review. I was just curious because I do know, like myself, you are a big indie fan. Absolutely. And it's certainly on my list of things to get to. Uh, I'm just trying to find a good t- day and time to go and actually go and watch it. But I, it's definitely right up there on, on what I want to do. Got to go see I mean, it. It, it is a busy time at the movies at the moment. Mm. The Flash, Indie, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, yeah. Part 1, Barbie, I think we're all, we're all Oppenheimer. We're all, we're all a little overwhelmed with uh, spoil for, being spoiled for choice. It's hard keeping up. Like, there's a new Transformers movie, the final mm. Insidious film. So I get it. There is a lot of films out there at the moment, but indie. But yeah, rest good rest assured, indie indie's a big priority, and I will make make time to go see it for sure. Round out the the story. Well, Temple of Doom, not wishing to feature the Nazis as the villains again, executive producer and story writer George Lucas decided to regard this film as a prequel. Honestly. I found out this year. I never realized that the <laughs> the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark takes place after the events of Temple of Doom. Because we I all know. know Temple of Doom is the second movie, and it wasn't I until know. seeing a side-by-side comparison, like the years that the films are set, I'm like, wow. But this is why. It's because if you're going to do anything after Temple of Doom, just like mm. The Last Crusade, it would mm. be Nazis. That's the era that the films were exactly. taking place. But it's just interesting yeah. how it's worked out that it's Nazis every second film. you got to be in the it's first, weird. not the second. Back for mm. Last Crusade, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, set during the Cold War, and then the Nazis are back in Dial of Destiny. It's nuts, man. Like I, for the longest time, I grew up thinking that the viewing order was, you know, um, Raiders, then Temple, then Crusade. And that was just that. It was unquestionable. But then, like you say, you very recently find out the dates are all muddled around and switched up and you realize that one preceded the other. And obviously it's, it's Raiders, um, it's Doom that precedes Raiders. And um, it's like, I was, you know, I was last month years old when I found that out. Well, there you go. But I mean, I think the watching order is absolutely the order they made them. It's just, I mean, the reason mm. why, as I just said there, that the Lucas wanted to find a way not to have the Nazis be in the, other, in the Temple of Doom movie. Yeah. And the other cool thing I just realized literally last month upon reviewing it, um, that I never 
realized or saw before, and don't ask me how I didn't clue on and see this when I was a kid, clearly I was not a very observant child, <laughs> was that the pub, that the, 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 the club that they're in at the start of it is um, Club Obi One. I never made that association until <laughs> you see those shots yeah. as a short round saves them and they and they met their getaway. You see those exterior shots and it says Club Obi One, and, and then that's I had that moment like, aha, like, wow, you know, like, and you just put two and two together because it's like, yeah, cool. yeah, well, well, that's it. Yeah. I, I did know that, but it, yeah, it's a very, it's a very cool Easter egg that they it is, include. But it made me wonder, it made me wonder, is, is, is it indeed a shared universe? It has to be if the, if it's, if it's referencing or self-referencing. No, nah, it's just, a you fun know, thing. Nah, it's a fun Easter egg. Just like in Raiders, like there is hmm. symbols in the stone of C-3PO and R2-D2. Like you see them as a shot in the movie. But it's just like a fun thing that like they put in yeah. each of his movies. Like if you okay, watch, so it's not a, If you watch E.T. Not E.T. directed by Steven Spielberg. The composer was John Williams. There is a shot where somebody's dressed up for Halloween as Yoda. And yeah. when they cut to the shot of Yoda, Williams includes the Yoda theme from Star Wars. It's just nice. a fun thing that the two of them... Yeah, yeah. Fun little referential Easter eggs. Gotcha. You know, on Spielberg, he he really wanted to direct a Bond movie. It never happened for him. So the opening of this movie was essentially him doing Bond. Doing Bond. It's yeah. why you've got... You get that impression. Yeah, you've got Indian is in the tux. Diamonds, yeah. And all of that, which is cool. But then I thought it really interesting that in Last Crusade, Spielberg takes it one step further. There was only mm. one person he wanted to cast as the dad of Indiana Jones, James Bond, Sean Connery. I just love that. Yeah. I just love Sean Connery with his lisp. Yeah. Oh, the, the James Bond connection. I love it. So good. Yeah. Um, that's it. Temple of Doom was released on May 23rd, 1984 to financial success, grossing $331.1 million worldwide, making it the highest grossing film of 1984. Now, this threw me initially because I always thought that Beverly Hills Cop was the highest grossing film of 84. But then the following year, because Ghostbusters got a re-release, Ghostbusters ended up being the number one film. But that's just America and Canada. Mm. So when we're saying the highest grossing, this is worldwide. See, Temple of no. Doom, this is the highest grossing film of 1984. In internationally, worldwide, or yeah. all over the world, domestically, worldwide, yeah, yeah yep. so it's the highest grossing, yeah. That is incredible. That's awesome. But it's not. I mean, it's it's no surprise, really. I mean, Indiana Jones is just so beloved. But he interestingly, really of the first three, this is not Spielberg's favorite. He doesn't like how dark it gets. You know, it, it is very to dark. Raiders. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, hearts getting ripped out, chests. You know, it does. Oh yeah, really people flayed, and hanging up or flayed alive and stuff. Kids being abducted from a village. You know, yeah. it's pretty. It's pretty. Um, it's, it's pretty full. It's crazy, and I mean, that, that's that that darkness wasn't really apparent to me as a kid. I just saw it as a thrilling adventure movie. But I suppose revisiting it all these years later and looking at it through adult eyes, you go, "Wow, this movie is really savage. It's really dark." It's in, and and you see you see the the darker tone that exists in it, 
But as a kid, that's appealing though, because like it's not a horror it film, but it's a bit edgy. No. But at the same time, you've got this new sidekick character in short round. Mm. So then yeah. all of a sudden, you can see yourself on screen like, hey, that's a kid like me. And he's going on yeah, I could, adventure. I could be that kid. Yeah, exactly. So now, of the first three, and I'll I'll keep saying of the first three because we did get Kingdom of the Crystal Skull much later, and we did get the most recent mm. film. But that, if you're looking at it as a trilogy, this mm. one was my favorite as a kid. Mm, it isn't now, absolutely. and it is a toss-up between Raiders and Last Crusade. But this is a good film in its own right. But I think it's because oh, yeah. there was a kid, you know, in the movie of that. Wow, this yeah. is yeah. And, and it gives right. you a point of reference. As a kid, you had that, like you say, you had that point of reference. Initial critical reviews were mixed, criticizing its strong violence and gore, as well as some of its story elements. However, critical opinion has improved since 1984, citing mm. the film's intensity and imagination. In response to some of the more violent sequences in the film, and with similar complaints about the Spielberg-produced Gremlins film, which was released two weeks later, Spielberg suggested that the Motion Picture Association of America alter its rating system, which it did within two months of the film's release, creating a new PG-13 rating. That's that's incredible. And I remember, oh. so PG-13, until this film, did not exist. It happened because oh. of Spielberg. With yeah, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park in 93, he wanted it to be a PG. And it wasn't coming back as a PG. It kept editing small amounts out at a time, and each time he'd resubmit it. No, 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 until finally PG. <laughs> yeah. I love that about wow. Spielberg. And he obviously wanted it to reach as wide an audience as possible. Mm. I mean, one, you've got to think there's a financial reason. You know, more yeah. people that can see it, uh, the more money at the box, box office. But at the same time, he wanted this to be a film, well, Spielberg, uh, he wanted Jurassic Park and this to be enjoyed by, you know, families, like, you know, as many people as yeah. possible. It's a fine line. I mean, you've got to um, compromise because you don't want to, you don't want to, um, um, I guess, uh, compromise your artistic integrity. Uh, but, you know, to, to just tell the story and appease the um, the council who do the ratings, you know, I guess he had to try, try and tone it down a bit. I mean, you've got to think like what we know as a summer blockbuster today, started with Jaws, started with Spielberg mm. in the 70s. That's that's when the summer blockbuster started. So we've really got a lot to thank Spielberg for. And this film, this... And this film it was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Score and won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. And then a sequel, The Last Crusade, followed in 19... 19- 89. So there you yeah. go. And as I said, box office 331.1 million. The budget Pretty of good. this movie 28.17 million. Now I saw somewhere today, Dial of Destiny had a budget of around 300 million. Right? Which is what which is what that movie made at the, the box yep. office. But if you think Temple of Doom, 28.17 uh, million compared mm. to a budget of 300 million. But then if you take into account yeah. inflation, so if essentially mm. 28.17 million today would be around 100 million. So they still 
could have made this movie three times for what they paid for the most recent one. But then they had all the de-aging and special effects mm. and, and everything else. Yeah. It's just interesting when you're looking at a single franchise and you're comparing like how much they spent on the individual films. Mm. Actually, you mentioned just to just to touch on the uh, on Dial of Destiny a bit. You mentioned the aging and stuff like that. I did see a bit of a spoiler on that on the other day, but I'm okay with with sharing it. Apparently, the stuntmen in that were wearing masks. They had masks of, of Harrison's face made up, and they all got they all had to wear these pr- prosthetic masks that look a lot like I look identical to Harrison. Um, yeah. For the DH to the DH sequences, you know, the so, the de aging was done digitally. But what you're talking mm. about, the stuntmen, so on motorbikes. Yeah. Um, on the trains, yeah. on horseback, yeah, the stuntmen were wearing Harrison Ford masks, which are that's pretty crazy. <laughs> it worked, though. That's pretty awesome. And it, it worked, and I, I do like that. And the de-aging, it it's not quite flawless, but it's the best mm. that we've seen. And for the amount mm. of screen time you get of young Indy, it's very, very, very impressive. But we'll say no more about Tyler Destiny because no. you've not seen it yet. No. And I wouldn't I will get to, to it. spoil it. We all know this film, but I'll just give a a brief rundown on the plot. In 1935, Indiana Jones is tasked by Indian villagers with reclaiming a rock stolen from them by a secret cult beneath the catacombs of an ancient palace. There you go. And then along the way, there's snakes. Why does it have to be snakes? And (laughs) all the classic Indian moments. And all the um, typical yeah. in- indie tropes, like booby trapped, you know, kind of dungeons and chambers, and uh, you know, roller coaster rides, tumbling down waterfalls, um, just like classic, you know, action adventure tropes. They're all there. You know, it, it's uh, it's really interesting what you just said there. I, I think you said it without realizing what you said. So, the sounds of the mine car running along the tracks during the chase scene were actually mm. recorded on the roller coasters at Disneyland, but had the music yeah, and sound surprised. effects turned off. Because that is exactly what it's like. But it's yeah. runaway minecarts, and it's a lot of a lot of fun. But I thought it was interesting that for the special effects, that, that's literally, that's the sound that you can hear. Disneyland. That's what they did. They just recorded, they just recorded roller coasters. And this movie was a Paramount film. Now Disney own Indiana Jones. Which is ironic. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised yeah. if it's somewhere at a theme park, that ride would probably exist where you probably do go in the mine carts and go, you know, hurtling through the, the mines. I remember years ago going to MGM Studios at, I, I get these mixed up. Is it Disney World or Disneyland, whichever one's in Florida? And I went to mm. MGM World or Studios and that was just amazing. And they had the this the scene where Indy mm. rescues Marion from Raiders of the Lost Ark and it was yep. like a live stunt show and it was incredible. Nice. I can clear that up for you right now. Disney World, Florida, Disneyland, California. Did you just know that or did you just quickly look that up? I knew it. Oh good. Go off the top of my head. Well there go you off go. The top of my head. Because Disney World has Epcot down in Florida. Disneyland is the one in California, Anaheim where I went. Right. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. There you go. You learn something every day. So when we do these reviews, we'll talk Mm -hmm. about the director, some of their past work. I mean, I think we can skip past it. I mean, it's Steven Mm -hmm. Spielberg. (laughs) Like, you know. And we've got quite a huge body of work. To to list his resume, resume would take you the rest of this show. 
Absolutely. So what we can reference is another film, Hobbies, that we reviewed on the podcast, and that is Hook, the Peter Pan film starring Robin Williams. So we have reviewed Spielberg yeah, previously. Definitely, definitely visited his films before. But we all know that he is a major figure of the new mm. Hollywood era and pioneer of the modern blockbuster. He is the most commercially successful director in history. So we know mm. all this. So we can probably yeah. <laughs> move on to... Gloss over it. <laughs> yeah, move on to Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. I mean... A titular character. Oh, man, I love this character. And as a kid, I had no interest in period films. I've mm. never viewed Indiana Jones as a period film, whereas it is. Like, it really it is. is. It appears. isn't that setting. part of its magic? That's Absolutely. part of its magic and part of its charm. Yeah, you just don't think of it in, those con- in that context, but it clearly is, as you say. Action, adventure, he's got the quips, the little, whip, yeah. the hat. He's just, he's got win. it all. You wanted to be him as a kid, you know? You know, as a kid, like not necessarily, it's not like now, like where a movie will be released and I'll watch it. And if they make a sequel, I'll watch it and I'll watch things in order, you know, like you mm. do. But back when yeah. you were a kid and, and before streaming, so you kind of just mm. watch things as they were on. So I never, it took me a while until getting copies on VHS where I actually watched yeah. all three of the original films, like in order. Yep. But I just see bits of it. So I remember as a kid, Seeing Indiana Jones action adventure, thinking, wow, this is cool. And then another time, randomly watching a bit from the earlier part of Raiders. And he was a school teacher, and I was like, hang on a minute. But I was I was young. <laughs> like he just really threw me on my like, yeah. oh, where's the cool guy in the hat? Yeah, the yeah. Teacher. It goes over your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what was what was kind of funny to me watching it recently is realizing that, that when he's a school teacher. Most of the people in his class are girls. They're all chicks and they're all sweet on him. And they're just hanging off his every worm. Work it, yeah. they think he's handsome. I think he's handsome. And there might be like one dude in the class. Yeah. I, that's a detail that went over my head when I was younger too, obviously. Oh, yeah. No, me too. Yeah. Yeah. The, you watch it now. They're all clearly very much in in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you're right, man. I mean, like, it's just it's one, of movie, one of those movies that like as a kid, you um, you're totally just taken with the adventure spectacle of it and the action adventure fantasy of it you don't view it in historical uh, terms like you say as a period movie because you just you just roll with it you just go with it um and but like most people um my first exposure to indie was vhs so watching it on vhs i don't have any memories of watching it on the sin on the screen in the cinema maybe maybe crusade i saw that in the movies but i definitely the earlier ones were vhs for me Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that was the first one that I watched on the big screen, and then, of course, Dow Destiny. Yeah. It's just interesting now. So it's 2023, and just like 1989, you can go to the movies, see Harrison Ford back as Indy, Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton back as Batman. Batman. How yep. crazy is that? <laughs> it's so cool, though. It's it so is. rad. It's yeah. a great, no, it's a great time to be, great time to be a, a child who grew up in the 80s and 90s. Oh, absolutely. You know, a difference between the first indie film and this one, Ford mm. undertook a strict physical exercise regimen headed by Jake Steinfeld to gain a more muscular tone for the part. Got to be honest, never I'm noticed. Surprised. But apparently he's more muscular. In Yeah, in- I'm not surprised. You'd have to be pretty robust to carry out a lot of the stunts he did. And um, he does have a bit of a, a more muscular physique, especially in the shirtless scenes in the mines. Good point, actually, because I was thinking that it's 
you know, it's maybe just as physical as what he was doing in Raiders, but yeah, he was nailed it. He does have his shirts mm. off more, you know, with his sacrifices and everything else. And yes, that's a good yeah. point, actually. So I'd, I'd do the same. Yeah. And <laughs> I need to get in better shape because I'm going to be taking my shirt off a lot more. Than yeah. Me. Well, that's pretty good motivation if you're an actor. Did you know that Cape Capshaw, who plays Willie Scott, she's actually married mm. to Steven Spielberg. They met on this movie and they're still wow. married to this day. That is insane. I did not know that. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, there you go. They're actually that's cool. Actually married, and she plays an American nightclub singer working in Shanghai, and and you've mentioned it already in a nod to the Star Wars franchise. The nightclub is called Club Obi Wan, which is yeah, pretty pretty cool. That is pretty awesome. And um, well, you need to talk about Short Round. He stole the show as a kid. Yeah, Shorty we was- do. We we do. We just a couple of more things on her. Uh-huh. When she was auditioning for the role, over 120 actresses were saying, and that's including people like Sharon Stone. There's so many yeah. people wanted this role. They purposely, um, they wanted the character of Willie to be a complete contrast to Marion Ravenwood from Raiders, very capable. Mm. So they wanted her to be more of a damsel in distress. And of course, mm. like... Most women in these in these movies, she does form a romantic relationship with Indy. And with mm. with the scene for the bug chamber, she was really covered with over 2,000 insects. Like, wow. This is not CGI. This is 1984. This is, they, yeah, the real deal. Thought, right, so how do we cover the character? I just do it. I just put the, put the insects on top of her. She took sedatives prior to the scene to get her over her initial fear and claimed wow. they definitely worked. So wow. oh, well, they're just crazy. That's how they did it. Everything was just, everything was just old school back then. There was no CGI. The actor was just like, yeah, bring it on. What the hell? You know, just cover me in insects. Let's do it analog. I mean, I, I don't think that was her idea. I'm pretty sure that's what, what was put to her. But yeah, that's yeah. what they did. And when I think of Willie, I think of how often she screams, but I didn't know until doing prep for this how many times she actually does scream throughout the movie. And granted, there's there's reasons for her to scream. 71 times. That is how many oh, wow. times Capshaw screams in this movie. Wow. But you're right. Let's talk short round. Kei Wan, 84. Mm. This was his film debut. First film. Yeah. And me, I, I was going to say it steals the show. It's hard because Indy's there, but he's fantastic. He is so he fantastic. Is. I, I am so happy. Decades later, he's back acting again. I mean, he won the award for best supporting actor in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Which, if you mm. haven't, you've got to watch that film. It is fantastic. Such a great film, and he's really good in it. But what's interesting that like, the awards said to me at the awards ceremony later that same night, Harrison Ford would present best picture to the film itself. Quan took to the stage with the film's producer, leading to a tearful reunion between the two actors. Beautiful, honestly. And there's been a couple of occasions since where they've been together, whether it's on a red carpet, in an interview, and just seeing those guys together, both older, of course. But it's just 
magic. And Quan, he was chosen as part of the casting call in Los Angeles, where around 6,000 actors auditioned worldwide for the part. Wow. And he was a lucky one who got it. Well, he had something. He absolutely had he something. And I think he- there was that thing. There was a little spark in his eyes. There was that little kind of that that big smile, um, that sort of um, adventurous kind of spirit. And the fact that he would always laugh um, at uh, Indy's love interest, you yeah. know, when she <laughs> fell on her bum, you know, off the elephant or whatever and got water yeah. on her. And it was... I think he- it was Spielberg who liked his personality. So he and yeah. Ford improvised the scene where Short Round accuses Indy of cheating during the card game. So it was yeah. it was that them acting out that scene that got him the part. That's pretty cool. I mean, you can see why. You can see why he was chosen. There's he's just like you say, he's just got something about him. And and um right from the get-go when you watch it when you're a kid. You buy into it. You're like, wow, that kid's awesome. And like you say, like you said at the uh, the onset, the outset, um, you kind of put yourself in his shoes, and you you it's like your sort of he's your entry point into the movie as as a kid watching the film yourself. Oh, absolutely. And then just a year later, the Goonies data. Yeah. See that that was, that cool. was always the thing. Like Temple of Doom eighty four, Goonies eighty five. And I'm sure something happened after that, but I'm not quite sure what what that was. But it with got the Sandlot Kids, hmm. was he in that? The Sandlot Kids? No, probably not. But no, he no. Wasn't but in that. If, oh, like, about, I've got you. I've got you. Yeah, yeah. Like young actors, like when they when they disappear or go off the rails. But yes, I mean, in the space of two years, Temple of Doom, The Goonies, Spielberg involved with both movies. And mm. then he kind of goes away. Do you know that he, I'm not sure on his official job title, but he was a stunt coordinator on the first X-Men film directed by Brian Singer. Did not know that. So he was doing stunts for a while behind the scenes. And then years later, uh, again, everything, everywhere, all at once. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. But he he's back in that. And he's going to cool. be, a, a, he's in Loki season two. And he's got another show on Disney Plus. I think it's called Chinese American. Michelle Yao is in that, but he's back, so I'm nice. very, very happy. That's to awesome. It's good to see him back. getting back in front, back in front of the camera. Let's talk about the guy, the thuggy priest who performs rites of human sacrifices. Mm. Um, Amrish Puri as Mola Ram. So he's the guy. He's got the scary eyes. He's got like the big, yeah, the crazy eyes. Yeah, I mean, wow. Lucas wanted Molar Ram to be terrifying. So the screenwriters added elements of Aztec and Hawaiian human sacrifices and European devil worship to the character. I mean, Spielberg said this movie was darker than the others, darker than he initially intended it to be. And going to blame this guy for some of it because terrifying is the right word to describe this character. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when you're a kid and you watch this, you absolutely crap yourself um, with that sacrifice scene. And that's I it. Mean, and it's not just ripping out somebody else's heart. Like he turns indie. He turns indie on Willie on yeah. short round, and you're like, oh no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, just totally, completely uh, brainwashes him. But I think it's it's just like 
it's just the the sheer the raw kind of imagery of it the sheer imagery of it like all that all the torturous devices they have and all the implements of torture and execution it's just like and the fact that he's like in this like death cult or blood cult it's just like like it's just so like you say terrifying when you're a kid but that's i guess that's all part of the mysticism of it isn't it well, what's also interesting as well, we're talking about being able to see yourself as a child watching this, see yourself in short round. Mm. Well, there's also a kid villain. I mean, you later find yes. out that he was also under the influence, but we've got Raj Singh who portrays mm. Salim Singh, the adolescent like mariage of Pankot. The, yeah, the princeling. Yeah. And he sort of is under the illusion of the cult leader. Yeah, and that's it. But you think that he's he's in on it, but then mm. you know when the kids are freed and and all of that, like you thought, oh no, he was also you realize that he influence. snaps out. He snaps out of it, yeah, because him and Shorty are fighting, and then he snaps out of it, and he agrees to be their ally and help them escape. I remember as a kid, always being mesmerized by the village shaman. You get him at the beginning, you get him yeah. at the end. He's like this older guy. He's got that like, white hair. Yeah, um, I know the another one. Yeah, well, he was played by Nane Akkara. Mm. He could not speak English. So what was happening, he was repeating words back phonetically. He didn't actually know what he was saying. So that's wow. why. So if you go back and watch it, and it's like he's pausing for dramatic effect. No. Gotcha. He's just waiting to hear the lines to read them, to say them back. That's what's going wow. off there. But I don't know, it just... It, it works. Like, it really it works. works. If you it couldn't feels, speak a lick of English. Yeah, it feels yeah. like the filmmakers have just gone somewhere in India with their film crew and just found yeah. this guy. It just, yeah, it feels really authentic. You're right. That's You're absolutely right. That's always been apparent too from the, from the first watch. Other people that pop up, um, professional wrestler Pat Roach. I never knew this guy <laughs> was a wrestler. He's uh, he's British. He plays the thuggy overseer in the mines, whom Indy has a large brawl with. Roach oh, yeah. previously appeared as a German mechanic and a giant Sherpa who brawls with Indy in Raiders of the Lost Ark. So he was just like a big dude that he dressed Hired. up in different yeah. characters but i've got to be wow. honest you know me i'm a big ghostbusters guy it wasn't yep. until the last couple of rewatches that i noticed that bloody dan Aykroyd is in this movie which get out of town yeah man he appears briefly with a british accent as weber who was scorts jones short round and willie from their car from their car to the plane Never, wow. never realized he's got a mustache. And of course, he'd worked with Spielberg previously with John Belushi in 1941, which is a movie that oh. didn't do well, unfortunately, since got a bit of a cult status. But yeah, so there you go. Dan Aykroyd is in this movie. Quite the cameo. Well, there's more cameos. Cameo. Spielberg, Lucas, Marshall, and Kennedy have cameos at the airport. Of course, uh, Captain nice. Kennedy. From Lucasfilm. Yeah, so there That's you go. Cool. They're, um, they're in it as well. I mean, we've talked about the tone already. Like, this is a much Dark. darker film, especially compared to the first film. But did you know that the film's original title was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Death? I've heard that, actually. <laughs> that was the original yeah. title. Um, but it was changed because it sounded too foreboding. Grim. So yeah. we, we can't go with death. 
what else? Mm. Have got any other ideas? Doom? Let's go with Doom. Doom sounds That'll like do. death, but not as, not as grim. Let's do it. <laughs> That'll do. And, um, yeah. and and the body count in this movie, because there is quite a lot of deaths, 43. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. 20 of them by Indiana Jones. So nearly half the deaths in this movie are indie. <laughs> there you go. That's cool. Oh, the, the dinner scene. We should probably talk about the dinner scene. That always got me as a kid, gets me as an adult. The uh, like the chilled monkey brains and the oh, snake yeah. and all of that. Well, yeah. the chilled monkey brains, do you know how they made them? How? Custard and raspberry sauce. There you go. That's, there you go. That's that's I love hearing right. like, fun stuff all... like that. Like how you don't have to. Me too. Especially when, when you're seeing the actors put something in their mouth, it's like, you know, even as a kid, well, it's obviously not really monkey brains, but what is it? Mm. Well, now we know. When you buy into it when you're a kid. Now we know. And just as important as Harrison Ford, Spielberg, George Lucas, when it comes to Indiana Jones, John Williams. The theme. Ah, the, oh, the theme, the Raiders March, all of it. It's just so much fun. You know, you just made me re re recall a memory. Um, and I still do it to this day on occasion. Well, not as much because I'm getting old. But my garage door, it folds down uh, automatically. And as it comes down, as it gets to the very end of it, as when I was a lot younger, a lot more uh, limber, I used to slide under it like indie style. I used to try and get under it before the door completely came down to, to the ground. And I used to do the... Dun, 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 and I used to do that. And I used to run under the door. And I used to call it the Indiana Jones run or the Indiana Jones garage door, whatever you wanted to call it. But... You just made me think of that when you invoked John Williams' score. It's classic, reaching for the hat. But yeah, yep. I mean, John Williams, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, yep. Superman the movie, Jaws, you know, he later and did Home Alone, Harry Potter. I mean, the, the list just goes on and on. It does. But the thing that's rem remarkable about Williams is that each score he does has its own identity has its own, like, you know what you're listening to and you, you know, it's synonymous with that character. And this score is just, like, you know, it's, it's synonymous with Indiana Jones. It is unmistakably Indiana Jones. You know, indelible. it's really, yeah, but it's really interesting, like, you know, just those movies I just mentioned there, you know, from Star Wars in 77, Superman the movie mm -hmm. in 78, Raiders in 81. Before yep. Star Wars happened, it wasn't, it was no longer the dumb thing to do in Hollywood to have these mm. big orchestras doing like bombastic themes. It's something yeah. that belonged earlier in the 1900s and they'd not really yeah. done too much of. And it was Lucas really wanting that for his movie. And he got together with John Williams and they were clearly on the same page. And what we it's know so of like the big superhero themes, action themes, and all of that. Like you yeah. can trace it back to Star Damn, Wars in seventy seven. Everything that followed has its origins there. They set Absolutely. up a, a set of precedent that's still still underway to this day. So we both clearly like this film, but if you're going to rate it out of five, no hesitation, five out of five. Absolutely. Uh, how could I give it any less? Uh, he's a he's a beloved childhood character. We love him. Um, I've always loved him. He's one of the, He's one of the, I've always said this, you've probably heard me say it before, but you know what the hell that I'm saying it again. He is one of the, what I call the last pulp heroes, pulp, pulp fiction heroes. He feels like a paperback novel hero. Like it feels like there could be 
paperback copies of Indiana Jones books out there that you could read in musty old bookshops. And he was one of those characters that sticks out in your imagination as a kid, along with guys like, say, Dick Tracy, that you could sort of pretend to be as a kid. You would dress up around, you know, in, in their clothes around the house or something similar, whatever you could find that would that mimic their clothes. You'd run around the house and let your imagination go nuts. He was that kind of character. So the childhood love was well and truly cemented. Um, and the movies were great, and they always will be. Long after Harrison's gone, long after Spielberg's gone, Williams at all, these movies are going to stand up, and they're going to be movies that people come back to time and time again. They'll be remembered uh, and enshrined in people's imaginations, you know, for decades and decades to come. So I love it. I know you love it. I'm coming in at five. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this movie because of the period setting of mm. all the indie films. They're timeless. Like, do you know what I mean? Because mm. they, they're not supposed to look like, like this movie. It's not supposed to look as though it's 1984 because it isn't. And there's just a timeless quality. Um, yeah, I mean, this is absolutely not my favourite of the original three. The guys at Rewind and Review a few years ago now, they did Raiders. For me, perfect. Love it. That is a five-star film and... Last Crusade is a close second, whereas, again, this is my least favourite out of the three. Um, flipped on it a little bit from when I was a kid, but still find so much to enjoy about it. Um, I'm going to come in a little bit lower from you, but not by much, to be honest. I'm going to come in at a 4.5 out of 5. That's fair. Well, that's it for our episode all about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, never a chore. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.